Welcome to this week's episode of the One Girl Revolution podcast. It's your girl, Kate Bryan. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at One Girl Revo. That's the number one girl, R-E-V-O. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find all of our podcast episodes, videos, all kinds of One Girl Revolution stories, and so much more on our website at onegirlrevolution.com. That's the number one girlrevolution.com. This week's episode of the One Girl Revolution podcast features Leah Darrow. Many of you may remember her from America's Next Top Model, but this girl has paved her own path as a renowned author, podcast host, and speaker who speaks regularly to women around the world about empowerment, femininity, purpose, dignity, confidence, beauty, and so much more. She shares her own life journey, her struggles, her successes, and her wisdom with us on this week's episode of the One Girl Revolution podcast. If you want to be challenged and inspired, don't miss this week's episode of the One Girl Revolution podcast with the incredible Leah Darrow. Leah, welcome to the One Girl Revolution podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I am really excited to have you on. I've followed your career. Like many people um, who are listening to this, new, first found out about you from America's Next Top Model because you'd been on that um, years ago, not that many years ago. But, but before we get into that, because I do want to talk about your experience with that and what you're doing now. But before we get into that, can you talk a little bit about who you are, your early life growing up and your life before America's Next Top Model? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, well, to sum it all up, um, I, you know, I, I was born and raised in a really great family. I'm extremely blessed. I mean, I have a mom and a dad who loved me, all my brothers and sisters, and were very big on reminding us like who we were. And um, I grew up in the faith, and we were very active there in our church, and um, had a great community around us. So, like all the great things. Um, and it was really early on though. So like my, my family, um, I was born and raised in Oklahoma and then my dad's job transferred us to St. Louis, Missouri. And with that transfer came a lot of different changes and challenges that as I look back on them today, I can see how so many things are rooted to how I dealt with these particular challenges in my life. And, um, it was it was really when I hit high school in my new school, new state, trying to find new friends where things began to personally derail for me. So um, make a very long story short, at 15, um, I lost my virginity and, you know, of course, thought the guy was great. Um, and the guy was very nice and everything, but like we just got into a situation that was bigger than us. And it was then in dealing with that, that kind of everything began to derail a bit. So what I mean by that is I had never defined the word love ever. Like I just assumed I knew what that was. I mean, if somebody had said, Hey, make sure you define that. I probably would have rolled my eyes and been like, whatever, mm -hmm. like we all know what love is. But the reality is, is what I found out that most of us, don't have a hard and fast definition. So we'll just accept whatever maybe feels good at that time. And we may have very good examples of love around us, but that doesn't necessarily define the term. And later on, much later in along in life, I found out through like philosophy courses that I would take that how we define our terms navigates our whole life. 
It now, I mean, it chooses mm-hmm. things for us. So for instance, love, like how we define love that will choose um, the relationships you're in. It'll choose your spouse. It'll choose your friends. It'll choose how you feel about yourself, how you treat yourself. It'll tell the world if you stand up to bullies or if you are the bully, how you define that word means so much. And for me at 15, when this happened, I didn't really have a definition and I was, everything kind of derailed after that. Like we ended up breaking up and I kind of just did not understand what that love meant. And I thought maybe it only had something to do with that physical act. And then Mm -hmm. from there, it just kind of, like I said, it just kind of like really became a distorted view of that term love. Um, And also, I just didn't think I could be redeemed. I mean, you know how high school is. People say terrible things and they have all these rumors that go on about you. And I just always felt like I was that girl, that Mm -hmm. girl now who slept around, that girl who lost her virginity at 15. And it just like, this stigma really hurt me. And I believed it about myself. Like I believed that I was my mistake. Right. And so it just, it caused a lot of turmoil. And I began to like, fall into that. And I pushed away, um, from my faith because I was scared that God wouldn't forgive me, which is not true, but I didn't understand everything quite very well at that point. So that really just put me into this place where like, I didn't think that there's a spot for me anymore in my, in my faith and in my church. I did not, um, think that, you know, I could be one of those good girls anymore. So I just gave into the stigmas and the stereotypes of like, fine, I guess I'll just be that girl. Mm. You start to isolate yourself from other people too. Like you mentioned isolating yourself away from the faith, but I'm sure even like the people that truly loved you, you know, there were even difficult moments that in that way where you were kind of isolating yourself away from, from them. Yeah. And absolutely. That definitely happened. And I realize now that we do that to, because of shame mm. and shame, we give shame so much power and it, 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 it needs nothing. Like there is a difference between regret and shame regret. You know, I regret a lot of things in my life. I wish I would not have done some things for sure. Regardless of the lesson that I learned in the process, I don't need to make a mistake or hurt someone else or hurt me to learn that lesson. I regret those things, but shame is something different shame is like that self-loathing and self-hate because of something that maybe happened to you or that you did. Mm. And that has no place in human dignity. That has no place in the respect for ourselves. And it has no place in our lives. Yet a lot of times we give power to it because we kind of confuse the regret and the shame and we're not quite sure how to deal with it. But I was dealing with that and I allowed shame to then move into that isolation phase where like I would just isolate myself from the people that actually did care about me and love me because I was, I was scared to admit that like something was wrong. And I, cause we always want to pretend everything's just fine. And I'm fine with all of my decisions, even though some of them are wrong. And the reality is, is that when we make a mistake, we should admit like, Hey, look, I didn't, you know, I did something wrong. I regret that I'm forgiving myself and I'm moving on. Right. Well, even like in culture, I feel like so much of social media is what you were just saying there, where it's like we pretend, you know, Instagram, and we pretend that everything is perfect, but inside a lot of times we're hurting and we're not actually dealing with, you know, a crisis or something that we're going through. We're just trying to put our game face on, but it's so important for us to really walk through 
each chapter of our lives. Absolutely. It's, it's, it drives me freaking insane. Um, I mean, granted, I've moved on from that story at 15 and the work that I do now is, is really about empowerment and women helping women and building mm -hmm. up that community because we are a family. Um, I believe, I believe that we are a human family and we belong to one another and we are here to help each other. And one of the things we can do is lift each other up and break down those walls of pretending in our own lives to be real, to be vulnerable, to listen to the heart of our other brothers and sisters in Christ, or if you don't believe in faith, that's fine, but in the human family, right. um, because we have a beautiful power of contribution. There is a beautiful power of contribution within the human family that is available for each and every one of us. And we're not about competition or at least we shouldn't be, we should be more concerned about how we can contribute, not just to the world in general, but to the person next to you as well. Right. So what was, Leah, what was the turning point for you, you know, going from 15 and now, you know, I definitely want to talk about everything that you're doing now um, because it's so powerful and particularly for women who are listening to this podcast, but what was the turning point for you where you really came to the realization and started kind of changing your life and your attitude? Yeah, geez. I mean, it's, there's a lot in there. So from 15, it kind of led me down this path where I just, I isolated myself from anything or anybody that cared about me because mm -hmm. of that shame. And, um, I aligned myself with some different ideals, um, that definitely did not care about me, but, but were completely okay with my lifestyle. And it's much easier to surround yourself with people who are fine with anything like anything goes, right? anything goes, um, like zero morality, because then you're not challenged. Mm. And frankly, I was a coward. And I was like, I didn't want to be challenged in my life. I didn't want to be challenged in my logic. I didn't want to be challenged in my reasoning or my philosophy of life. And so I purposely put myself and aligned myself with different people and groups and even work that was more um, uh, open to anything. Um, and so it was really in that space in that time, this is through high school, this is post-college um, and even post America's Next Top Model where I'm living in New York. And I just, I had an experience um, in the middle of a fashion photo shoot. I was in New York and as I mentioned, it was after Top Model and I'm modeling professionally and just trying to get work and I was doing okay. I mean, I was getting major jobs and working with major designers and, you know, there's a comment in my paycheck, all that crap um, yeah. that made me think that I was, you know, validated and worthy because somebody's paying me to look a certain way, which that's a whole different topic, but that whole standard of beauty is just such, such crap and mm. it's so destructive to women. And yet we are one of the powerhouses in contributing to that, which is a huge issue, but side issue. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, but I get to this place, the photo shoot, and it was in the middle of that where something just, you know, and for me and my, and, and what I believe in my philosophy in life, it was a moment for me. It was like a spiritual moment where something just touched my heart. I believe that was God. Um, and I heard five words. I heard the five words of, I made you for more. And mm -hmm. I just, that resonated with me, not because to be honest with you, I believed it, but because I wanted to, like, I wanted to believe that I was more than just a pretty face. I wanted to believe that I could do something in this world to contribute beyond taking a pretty picture. 
I mean, for the love of anything, we as women are so much more than just a pretty thing. Right. We are a whole person. And I just, when I, when this moment happened in the middle of this photo shoot, um, and I heard these words on my heart, I, I stopped. I remember the photographer being like, Leah, come on, focus, let's get going. And I just stared at him and I just thought, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And I, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but that message and those five words, I believe to be true. I thought, okay, I, you know, I can't explain this. I'm not expecting you to understand it, but this is happening. And I believe that that's true. I think I am made for more than this. And so I walked out, um, I walked all the way home and I just called my dad and I said, um, I was in New York, he's back in St. Louis. And I just said, dad, if you don't come and get me, I'm going to lose my soul. Like I'm, my life is in disarray and I don't know what just happened, but I just know that I need to like regroup, reset and figure some stuff out. And there was this long pause. And then my dad finally just said, okay, baby, um, I'm coming to get you. And my dad drove over 2000 miles to come pick me up. Wow. Yeah. What a good dad. Every dad should do that. I love it. Every dad should. And, and it's, and if you have a dad like that, I encourage you and challenge you to thank him today. Mm. Just call him, text him and just thank him. Thank him for doing what he, what he either has done already for you or the fact that he's just that type of a dad that he would do it for you. Because let me tell you something, there are some people listening right now and they don't have that dad. Mm. They don't have the blessing of that. And so it just, it, it makes me choke up because if that's you, I want you to know something. One, I'm sorry. I am sincerely sorry because that's not the way it should be. It's just not the way it should be. However, for whatever reason, you don't have a dad like that. I'm sorry. And two, you're not alone. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. You have us. You have God the Father. And he loves you and we love you and we are here for you. And that's something that is a deep wound in many of our sisters' hearts. Um, that father figure or the missing father figure or the father figure that just is there, but not emotionally, you know, maybe even not physically. Um, and that affects us on a, on a deeper level than maybe we want to realize or give, give credit to. Mm. And it's just, just, you know, thanks for letting me say that, but I just, yeah. I just think that, it, I just think that it needs to be addressed and, you know, so it, th there you have it. It does. No. And, and that to me, you know, even your dad driving to pick you up is almost more of a profound moment, like a turning point, because it seems to me, and I wasn't there, but like you got into America's Next Top Model, you kind of like jumped on this trajectory and it probably was hard, like so many of our lives, where you kind of get on this trajectory, you have a job that you don't necessarily like, or you're surrounded with people that, you know, are ba a bad influence or whatever, you know, whatever, you're not, you're just not in a good space. And there's this turning point where you have an opportunity to, to leave or stay. And that turning point of your dad coming to get you probably was the major turning point for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, I mean, it just be able, just be able to reach out to someone for help. Um, and for them to respond so generously, um, 
it's, it, it's made all the difference in my life. It's made all the difference in my life that I had someone to call and that they picked up and that they responded. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's really big to be able to have somebody in your corner and in your life. And that's why community is so important. You know, having that community um, around you, if it's not your parents, if it's not a caregiver, then, then it's a group of people that you could call on, or maybe it's a mentor. Um, and geez, if you, if, if you're in a boat where, you know, your parents aren't around or they're just not available, um, definitely look for a mentor, somebody who's older than you, who's experienced more life, who you could talk to through some of these things, because there could be a time where, I mean, hopefully no one's going to be in the, in the position I was where it kind of felt like you were just drowning in your own despair. But, um, but there's definitely moments in all of our lives where we, we need to, we need to talk to somebody who's either been there and done that or who has the wisdom of just age and experience to talk through some big moments in our life. Right, right. It's so important. It's so important for us to surround. And those people are out there. I think there are so many people that want to help us in those situations, but sometimes it's just as a matter of asking someone. Absolutely. And it's scared to because you have to put yourself out there. So right. We And then we tend not to, but you like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We weren't meant to live cowardly lives. Mm. We were not made to live cowardly lives. We were made to live bold, brave, confident lives of beauty. Right. Man. Leah, you're amazing. <laughs> I want to get into, I want to talk about what you're doing now because you're, you're speaking to women. But before we do that, I just want to talk briefly about America's Next Top Model and just yeah. give you an opportunity to talk about that briefly. What was that experience like and what did you learn through that experience, maybe about yourself and the world? Yeah. Um, nothing is what you think it is, especially when it comes to TV. Um, I think it is just one of the travesties of human entertainment um, reality TV. Mm. Uh, I, I, I just, I find all of it quite despicable, mm. um, because, because it takes human brokenness and it spins it as entertainment. Yeah. And my, my friends, we should never be entertained by human brokenness, mm. um, regardless if, if they're willing parties or not, we should not allow ourselves to be entertained by that. And I, you know, I did not have that perspective going into the show. Of course, going into the show, I was probably like most consumers of reality TV. And I was like, hey, it looks fun and glamorous and I'll watch it. And, you know, you, you forget, you know, that we're all connected, right? Um, and so it's just, there's just something really wrong about watching a TV show, watching other people fail, watching other people get picked over others, hearts broken, lives destroyed. And then we're just like rooting for one or voting for another. And you're like, mm -hmm. what are we freaking doing? Like, this is how you are spending our free time and our life, our life, which is finite. Like you only have so many freaking days. You yeah. only have so many hours of your life to spend on this earth. And that's how we're going to spend it. Like we need a reality check. We don't need reality TV. And it's, it's, it's devastating what it does. And no one looks into this. No one cares because once the show is over, like we don't care about the people. We don't care about what's happened in their lives or what goes mm -hmm. on. But there are unfortunately way too many people who after reality TV have either 
gone through major drug addictions or alcohol addictions. They have committed suicide. Their lives have fallen apart. Their marriages have fallen apart. They've gone to prison. I mean, there are, there, there's, some, there's some major things that are going on. And I don't think that reality TV caused it. I think it definitely is correlated to it possibly. But, um, but we just use people for entertainment. And reality TV is, is a big culprit of that. So I'm super anti-reality TV now on all fronts um, because of what I've seen and what I experienced on my own show of America's Next Top Model. It's very, very clear that this was a TV show. This was to promote Tyra's agenda, um, what, she, what she wants to do in the future of her. She's a very smart businesswoman. She's been in the industry for a very, very long time, and she's incredibly successful. Um, and so these were calculated moves. And the girls on America's Next Top Model are just pawns um, yeah. to move around and play so that she can get what she wants. Um, and, 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 and the team are around it. It's not just one indiv- individual against everybody. But no, I don't approve, and I don't like it, and I've experienced it, and I was on that show long enough. Um, even with getting eliminated early to realize that this is not okay. I remember, I remember one aspect in particular. um, I mean, like when you go on, you don't realize these things, but they make, they make you sign a contract that basically hands over like your firstborn child. If you violate anything Um, outside of that, they like, I remember like going up into where we stayed for a period of time was at the Waldorf Astoria and they took out like the, this main floor of the suites and they kind of created the whole penthouse look of America's next top model. They made everything look so beautiful and glamorous. Like, why would you not want to be a part of this? Like, this is amazing. Right. Um, and you, we, we get in there and I remember walking around and looking at it and realizing really quickly that there were no doors on any of the bedrooms. Like there's no bedroom door. And then I walk further and I realized there's no bathroom door. Like they, oh they, took the, they took the doors off of the hinges so they could have access to filming us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And mm. then you walk further into the bathroom and you see that there's no shower curtain. Jeez. And I was like, what the hell, man? Like, this is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst. Like, so I remember like we had to, and we, we kept calling on this stupid little phone that you could supposedly get to Tyra, but you never could. But you called the on this phone and you're like, we need a shower curtain. We need a shower curtain day after day after day. No shower curtain, no shower curtain. We would hold up towels for the other girl taking the shower. And we would be like, okay, if it's your turn to shower, we'll hold up the towel for you because the camera men who were all camera men, not camera women would come in and film us taking a shower, using the bathroom, brushing our teeth, everything. Mm. See, that's that's the stuff that people don't know. Yeah. People don't think about that kind of stuff, but that happens on all reality TV. You know, I remember watching the real world when I was in college probably, um, and just being like, you know, fascinated by it because people, people are fascinating, right? That's why reality shows are, are so successful. I think is because people are fascinated by other people, but they're missing the people that are just in front of them. You know, like we're all living in our own reality show in a way, you know, um, but people don't know about that kind of stuff that's happening. And that happens on all of them, the bachelor, the bachelorette, um, all those reality shows. It does. In fact, there's, there's like a little group of reality TV people that kind of were all slightly connected somehow. And during the moments when I've had times to chat in person with people from different shows, 
they're all like, like none of this shocks them because they're like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And you're just like, this is BS, man. And, and you, you, you're, you're mad at yourself. You're, you're, you're mad at the shows. You're mad at the fact that the public doesn't know, but does the public really care because they just want their shows. And, you know, the interesting thing is though, and, and maybe a, a, the silver lining to this is that reality TV exists because we want it to exist. Now that shows, I think, uh, depravity of our culture. However, if you don't, if we want reality TV shows to go away, then stop watching them. Mm. The way that they work is that they're based off of the ratings of how many people watch during that time. And then based on that, they can sell, you know, space, um, ad space to, to different, you know, companies and groups because they've got more people watching. So more people can watch that ad right? So in between for the commercials. So when, when, when people stop watching is when they get the idea that nobody wants it around anymore because no one's watching. So one way we can kind of, um, stick it to the man for reality TV is actually the most obvious thing is just don't watch it. I mean, mm-hmm. take my show, for example, which I know I think is pretty much off the air now, but, um, anybody who's ever watched that show, I mean, tell me honestly, after watching America's next top model, did you come away from that show being like, wow, I feel really good about myself. <laughs> I, I love who I am. I love what I look right. like. And I think I could do something amazing in this world. Like those are not, the mantra statements you say to yourself after watching America's Next Top Model. And I just think that, you know, if, if it's not bringing you to a place of peace, if it's not breathing life into your life, like cut it out. Yeah. Well, that brings me to what you're doing now, because one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, I mean, there are many reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast, but I wanted to talk about what you're doing now, Leah, because, you know, you've transitioned out of, you know, obviously people first found out about you, especially on a public scale from that show, but now you've transitioned into, you're a speaker, you wrote a book, you, you're doing so much incredible stuff. You have a podcast. Talk about what you're doing now because it, you really do everything with such great love. And I see that. And I know so many other people see that. And that's really what we're all, I feel what we're all called to do. Um, and you're such a great example of that. So you really are a one girl revolution, but can you talk about your, the work you're doing now? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it kind of varies. I've got, um, I've got my podcast, which is called do something beautiful. And that's just where I highlight people who are doing beautiful things in the world, um, to help humanity. I mean, so it's a variety of fronts, um, a variety of backgrounds of people, who are just adding beauty to the world. And, and we define beauty as true wholeness. It's not about like what you look like. It's about adding this care and love to the world through how you treat yourself and how you treat others. And that's the beauty that will last. Um, and so that's the podcast. And we've been doing that now for, I guess we're going on three years. I'm not quite sure, two or three years, but yeah, it's just been evolving and it's amazing because the podcast, I love it because it's something to where, and I love promoting it because it's not about me. Like I get to talk to amazing men and women who are doing amazing things for other people. And that's just, it blows my mind because if you listen to the news and you read all that crap, you think that like everybody hates each other and the world's going to like hell in a handbasket. And there's definitely a good amount of strife. And there's some problems that we're, some unique problems we're facing today than that we haven't ever before. 
but there are still good people in this world. There are heroes among us. And that's the goal of the podcast. Um, and then I have my public speaking. So I speak on a lot of different topics, mostly faith-based topics. I give my witness, my, my story of, uh, of my life and my, my journey back towards faith and realizing um, who I was as a woman and that, that beauty and that dignity that is inherent in my, in, um, my identity in God. Um, so I do that a lot. I also give a lot of like women's based talks, a lot of women's conferences and business women conferences where I just talk about empowerment and not empowerment in the false sense of the word of sin motivation because motivation will come and go. Like you'll be motivated one day and then you won't the next. So what is the thing that's going to carry you through those times when you're not motivated? And that's what I love to talk about and instill in people. So discipline, the freedom in that responsibility, those types of great habits we can create as women um, to empower ourselves and others in the world. So I love talking about those topics in my talks. Um, and I do a lot of you know other faith-based things for women as well. And then my next initiative that I just put together about six months ago is something called Lux University. Lux, L-U-X, it's Latin for light. And Lux mm -hmm. University is an online membership site for Christian women um, to get to know their faith better so they can be informed, inspired, and empower other women and other people in the world through um, the love of Jesus Christ. And so that's been a new initiative I've had so that I can hopefully just reach more people. And that platform is really beautiful because it's not just me teaching and then that's it. It's, it's actually the platform for many other women on a variety of different backgrounds to come in and teach other women. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that because especially within the church, it just like, it can feel like the woman's voice is not heard. And there's a reality there as well. Like that's, that is a real issue and a problem. And so I just wanted to create something that gave women a voice and a platform to teach and to preach and evangelize other women, other single women, other married women, mm -hmm. other women who are in a different stage, a later stage in life that they know that they're not forgotten and that we care about them. And so that's kind of what came into creating Lux U. And so those are the things I've been working on. Yeah, that's amazing. And everything is so, even with Luxu and everything else you're doing, I think there really is a lack of community and women feeling like their voices are being heard in the culture, you know, not just in the in a church setting or in other things. I think that women are looking for opportunities to be heard. And so it's really powerful, everything that you're doing, because you are giving women a platform. And even in your presentations, you know, you're saying to the women that you're speaking to that they matter and that they have value and that their voices matter and encouraging them to speak up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, my why comes from my place of faith, but it is beautiful to be able to talk to women of all backgrounds. And I've had plenty of times, but still to this day, almost every single day, um, talk to women who, you know, are not Christian. Mm -hmm. And it is an amazing, it's an amazing place where you can still lay a foundation of mutual respect and love and admiration, and you can still help people. I'm a, I'm a part of many different business groups with other women where we work together to help each other's businesses out. And there's all different walks of life from different backgrounds. And I love it because 
they know where I'm coming from. I know where they're coming from, but we all still come together to be like, Hey, listen, I love what you're doing at this. What do you, what do you think about offering your customers this? Um, and, and just knowing that there's a place of like, I want you to succeed. I want you to love your life and to do the best you can in this world. That is a great place of a foundation that we can, we can offer women and we can offer ourselves and others, no matter what you're doing, no matter what walk of life you're in, what job you're in, we can do that right now. Right. Yeah. And that we each have a purpose and that we each have something that we're supposed to be doing. It's just taking a step forward. It's powerful. It is. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's always just about continuing to try, like try your very best with all that you got and then just keep trying over and over and over again. I, it's easy to list out the things that I've done and some of the successes I've had post top model, but that has only been because of a million and freaking one fails. Yeah. I've, I've fallen on my face a thousand times over and I plan on still doing that until I die. Like, but it's getting up and just trying and you just try and you launch and you relaunch and you try again. So it's, it's, it's about, you know, persistence and having that resilience about yourself and failure is a beautiful teacher when it comes to that. Yeah. And just having the courage, you know, I think so many women have dreams or ideas or things that they want to write about, even like an article that they want to write, or they want to start a blog or it can be any, you know, millions of things. But a lot of times it just takes a little bit of courage to step up and say, okay, I'm going to do it because we don't want our lives. Like, like you mentioned, you know, our lives are so precious and it flies by in a split second. So if there's something that anybody wants to do, you know, I'd encourage them and I know you would too, to step up and do whatever is on their heart. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know, absolutely. This is, this is a, a big nugget that I love to talk about is most of the time, the problem is that we don't dream big enough. Hmm. We allow ourselves to dream, but we give ourselves a limited space and time to do that. And I find in so many women, their problem is not being allowed or giving themselves the allowance to dream bigger. Like dream bigger, my sisters. You have the power to do that. When you want to do something, write out all the things of why you shouldn't. And then tell yourself, would you allow that to stop you? Hopefully that would give you the courage to then keep doing it. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? that you try and it doesn't work, great. Then just rework it, relaunch it. Or what's the worst thing that could happen? Someone disagrees with you? Well, you know, get over yourself because every everybody's going to say something. And at some point, you have to be true to yourself. You have to be true to that dream. And you have to continue to make your mark in this world. So I want to ask you a question, Leah. This is something I've been thinking about. And this kind of goes into that. It goes into a lot of the work that you've done. But with the rise of female entrepreneurship and kind of this empowerment culture, there seems to be a lot of discussion about success and what that means in the world. And through this podcast and the One Girl Revolution platform, I've met so many amazing women who I would consider I would consider incredibly successful, but they might not have like a fancy life or a fancy car or tons of money to show for it. But I see them and I see what they're doing and I see their success because they're helping people and they're changing the world. 
through their lives. What does success mean to you, Leah? Yeah. Um, success means to me gratitude. Mm. Just gratitude, kindness, gratitude. I mean, that's success. To be grateful each and every day for what you have. Grateful for the life that you have, that you're still breathing, that you have another day, another chance to freaking get it right. Like that's amazing to me. That is success. Success is being grateful. It is, it is so much about being grateful. And when you change your attitude from being a cynic, from, 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 from putting yourself in that victim role of like, all these things happen to me and you switch it and you become grateful for what you do have, grateful for the blessings in your life, regardless if you're aware of them or not, things change. You change, your outlook changes, your ability to try something new, to dream bigger changes because you are grateful. People respond to you better because they see the gratefulness in you. It is it has been a huge lesson in my life that I've learned the hard way, but success for me is gratitude. It is being so incredibly freaking grateful for this life and the chance that we have to do something so amazing and beautiful and good in it. And we get one chance and one shot. And I'm not going to take that shot being pissy. I'm not going to take this one life and just be angry. I'm going to take this one life and I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to make the best out of it. So for me, success is gratitude. Girl, you, you are, you are such a beacon of light. I'm so grateful to be connected with you and I'm so grateful to have your voice out in the world. And even just to be sharing with this listenership, um, about your story and your life and your light, because I see it, girl, you, you are, you are, yeah, I'm grateful for you. So thank you for everything that you do, Leah. You're amazing. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And th thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's just, it's an honor to be able to speak with you and to chat with you. And yeah. if there's anything else I can do, just let me know. Yeah. Before I let you go, where can people find out more about your incredible work, your podcast, all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to leahdarrow.com. That's my website. I'm on social. I'm on Instagram a lot. <laughs> so I hang out there quite a bit. Um, and my Instagram is at leah.darrow. Um, find me there and you know, my podcast is on iTunes, do something beautiful and yeah, hit me up if there's anything you need. Amazing. And, um, one last question, cause we end every episode, every podcast episode with this question. Um, if you could leave women around the world with one message, Leah, what would it be? Mm, hope, hope. You might not believe that you have it. You might feel lost in it but you are hope. Each breath you take is hope. It's hope for a different life. It's hope for something better. You are hope to someone else. And if you can't believe it for yourself, let me believe it for you at this moment. There is hope, my sisters. There is hope for you to become the woman that you've been called to be, that you've been made to be. And hope is powerful. Hope is one of the most powerful things in the whole world. It keeps people alive. It literally keeps people alive. So believe in yourself. Believe that you are hope, that you're hope for yourself, your hope for someone else, and your hope for your own future. So hope. Amazing. Leah, thank you so much for joining the One Girl Revolution podcast. I, uh, thank you so much. I am so happy to be a part of it. It's been so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
For more information on One Girl Revolution, check out onegirlrevolution.com. That's the number one girlrevolution.com. 